I have entered my pirate era. I'm still in my villain era, but now we're adding filthy pirates to it. For fans of Pirates of the Caribbean, Black Sails, or anything righteously roguish and swashbuckling, look no further than L.J. Andrews's The Ever King, book one of the as-yet-unfinished Ever Seas series. Come with me as I dive the depths of the Ever, discovering all of the elements of this tale that threaten to plunder many's a heart and booty. Let's kick things off, as we usually do, with a traditional reading of the Goodreads blurb. It goes like this. They stole his crown, so he stole their daughter. For years, Eric, the scarred king of the Ever Kingdom, has thought of nothing but vengeance against the man who killed his father and trapped him beneath the waves, making him a prisoner in his own realm until his enemy's daughter unintentionally breaks the chains on the Ever, and Eric makes her the unwitting pawn in his vicious game of revenge. She's innocent. He's vicious. But will he take back what he lost, no matter the price? Unless she steals his heart first. Welcome to the passionate world of the Ever Kingdom, where pirates, sirens and fae collide with Vikings in a dark fantasy romance between a villain and the innocent princess who holds his heart. Please note, the series is set in the same world as the best-selling Broken Kingdom series, but can be read independently and readers are encouraged to read the list of triggers inside. Disclaimer before we go on. This is not safe for work. This podcast is not meant for other ears. And as I likely always say, this probably isn't really meant for any ears. I will be keeping it spoiler free when it comes to the story itself, though discussion of tropes, triggers and other elements may constitute mild spoilers by the basic definition of the term. So do bear that in mind. Any mispronunciation of any places or names is all completely on me. Okay, lads, let's get into the tropes. There's a few big ones here, so I'm just going to focus on the main ones for now so we can get a gist of what the story is and what it's offering. The first we're going to talk about is enemies to lovers. Now, this isn't really a true enemies to lovers in the strictest sense of the usage here. Our pair are on different sides of a war, and that war has been quite vicious, so much so that access from one realm to the other has been magically removed or restricted. But this is kind of an enemies to lovers with a twist, in that there's an element of the childhood crush trope intertwined with it. It adds a little something extra to this, I feel, and also explains the not really hatred between the two. At least the hatred feels quite one-sided initially. Next up we have Toucher and Die. So we have enemies to lovers with Toucher and Die. I've basically died and gone to favourite trope heaven. I'm being fed here with this lineup and there are no crumbs left. So thanks Andrews for being such an enabler. We see a lot of this trope throughout the entire story, but it is particularly prevalent towards the end. Next, we have bonds. There is a bond here, 
there are elements of that basic sense of that trope, but there's also something that connects it to the greater storyline and the greater arc of the ever, which I really, really liked. Then we have the kidnapped or captive trope. Yay, yum, look, no pirate tale is complete without a kidnapping. And isn't it funny that we're all aboard for Stockholm Syndrome if it takes place on the sea? What is wrong with me? Anyway, Livia, who is the main character, the main female character, is a captive. The mistreatment is honestly minimal though, so this bizarrely doesn't really necessitate a trigger warning in my opinion, but it's definitely an element of the story. Next we have the virgin trope. Yes, it's everywhere. And everything I've been reading lately, I can't seem to escape it and I'm really not into it. But while the main female character here is a virgin, she's not virginal. So there's that. And I'm pretty sure if you're familiar with this genre already, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean. Lastly, I'm going to talk about found family. This is another one of my favourite tropes and I really love it when it's done well. Oftentimes I feel as though these relationships with and the connections to the main female character can feel a little bit rushed, maybe even a little illogical or unrealistic sometimes. And I think initially I felt this way about the folks in the Ever King, but the more I read and the more I discovered about them, the more it actually made sense. Of course, some of these characters are being presented to us as ruthless and shady initially, but as with all characters, there are layers to that shit. No one character should be comprised of one handful of traits that were presented with on meeting. It should develop over time and a good writer will challenge that for us and let it grow organically in front of our eyes. And that's certainly what Andrews has done here. And I honestly, I had really good time trying to figure out everybody's motivations and where they were coming from. So definitely hats off for that one. So with tropes out of the way, I am going to speak a little bit about the triggers here. Now, the author does include content warning in the beginning of the story, so that's very accessible for you. And there are a couple here that I kind of want to bring attention to. Now, in general, I favour very dark romances and I don't have any triggers so as a result of that, I tend to over-research and probably overanalyze some portions of stories that may constitute triggers for others. It's kind of like a compensation. Here was a very interesting balance for me because while I don't necessarily feel as though it was very, very dark, some of the triggers could be construed as being very dark triggers. So we are going to talk about them. And the first one, the main one, really, that I want to draw attention to is the child abuse trigger. And this abuse was physical and psychological, and it was very prevalent. Eric Blutzinger, who is our sexy swashbuckler, has had a very difficult childhood, and it is discussed a lot. So if this is a trigger for you personally, this is definitely going to impact on your enjoyment of the read. So do keep that in mind. Next up and following on from that, we have the torture 
trigger. And there are multiple mentions of torture here and the after effects of torture as well are revealed and explored throughout their story. Mostly it's it's focused around Eric, but you know, there are other issues and other mentions of things here as well, some of which happen, do happen off page. Lastly, and one of the more unusual ones in the sense that it's not usually picked out as being a trigger when it comes to content warnings, but actually features very frequently and heavily throughout this genre is physical insecurity. With this one, it comes in the form of body scarring, and there is a lot of physical insecurity as a result of that. And this is a direct result of the child abuse and the torture that we just spoke about. So these three triggers, I do think, group together, particularly in this story. But as a result of the aforementioned torture, there are some insecurity issues surrounding it and the physical results. It's worth noting that characters are supported emotionally, actually, throughout the reveal of this, but it's definitely a potential trigger and I did want to bring some attention to that, just in case. And now onto the spicier things. The spice is very solid here and it's hot. And the two main characters have a heightened attraction to each other that definitely sizzles on the page. And I like that the main female character is equally as into it as the main male character is. Sometimes there's an imbalance there. I like that the two of them are totally both up for each other. There are several explicit scenes, but they are quite vanilla. And I know I've been saying that a lot lately, to be fair, I have. It's as though I want everything to have like a ball gag or a nipple clamps or something along those lines. I don't. I just want to point out um, the content, essentially, the content and the context of the spice. Or maybe I do want those things. Maybe I do want ball gags and nipple clamps. I don't know. I don't know anymore. No kink shaming here. But this is quite solid and particularly towards the end, it does ramp up a fair bit. So I would probably score this a solid and respectable three chili pepper spice rating. We're going to discuss the writing and the story now. So this is a spin-off, as I mentioned before, of the Broken Kingdoms series, which I have not read. I would say you don't need to have read the series to enjoy The Everking. In fact, it might have added to my enjoyment of it as I kind of get the feeling that some of the things revealed to our main female character about Eric might have been something that readers of the original series already knew or had an idea of or about. Now, I could be wrong about that, but I quite enjoyed learning things as Livia learns them. I really do prefer that. I don't want to go into something knowing everything. I want to see the world through the main character's eyes and learn and grow with them. But I will certainly be rushing out to buy the rest of this author's catalogue and I'm going to tell you why. It really was very good. I could tell that most of the heavy lifting of the world building was done when it came to where Livia came from and the history with her parents and the previous wars and all of that was lovely but I did feel like we were dipping an explorative curious toe into the newer realm of the ever and I just really enjoyed the presentation and the pacing of this. I liked how the author treated readers like a companion on this adventure rather than a student. 
a student who is required to sit still and retain the entire lesson. It was really expertly done and I feel like based on this I would go on any adventure that Andrews offered. It felt like an effortless read and that's not easy to do. It's lovely as a reader, it's not so easy as an author but the story flowed from Andrews and the characters had life before we'd even started. These fully formed, beautiful and flawed and sometimes even contradictory forces pulled me in and they kept me there. I felt very invested from the very beginning of the book and that sense of being hooked in didn't let up. We got action pretty much straight away, which frankly I find very refreshing. The writing is polished. I'm not really sure I can describe it any other way. It's just solid, like solid as a feckin' rock. And I felt like I was in experienced hands with Andrews. Not once did the writing or an unusual choice of phrase or something that felt out of place, not once did any of those things pull me from my immersion. I was locked in from start to finish. And honestly, I don't even remember if I looked up at all during my reading of The Ever King. Of course, there are questions that I have. There are elements of the story that left me wondering and I am anticipating and very much expecting to have those questions answered and to have everything tied up and addressed in The Ever Queen, which is the next installment. I actually had no idea that this wasn't a complete series when I picked it up. And I cannot explain to you the sense of utter and nonsensical betrayal that I felt when I started hammering the Amazon link in my Kindle, expecting the next book to download for me straight away. And I'm looking at the screen with this empty headed incomprehension until I realized that it's not even out yet. And I was left bereft without, you know, the next part of the story. But I mean, who am I talking to? Of course, you guys would understand that desperation sometimes that we feel following a cruel cliffhanger. So, my friends and pirate filth, it's time to drink. Allow me to introduce you to this week's signature cocktail as inspired by the Ever King. Please prepare yourselves for the hello, love. I'll say nothing else. If you know, you know. But this one is so simple. You are going to love me for this. It's basically just a classic daiquiri. Really simple, super tasty. And this one is just like a modern day version of Pirate Grog. I have it on good authority. And when I say good authority, I mean some rando off the internet. That pirates and sailors often mixed rum, sugar, water and lime juice to make the booze easier to drink on board and to help stave off scurvy. Mmm. Anyway, you just need some white rum. Again, I use Bacardi for this. I've said before, this is a staple in all home bars. And if white rum isn't already in your home bar, if it's not a staple, I don't know what you're doing with your life. You'll also need simple syrup. If you don't have any in the press, you can whip some up really, really quickly. You'll also need lime juice and ice. I used crushed ice initially because that's usually best for a daiquiri, but it really doesn't matter. You can even just, you know, take regular sized cubes and stick them in a Ziploc or in a towel and pulverize them with a hammer or any kind of blunt force instrument. By my third one of these drinks, that's exactly what I was doing. And it was actually a lot of fun. It helps with the frustration. Into your cocktail shaker, your ice goes with a shot of rum. I was very 
very heavy handed with this one. I think it was a Friday night or something, but always pour to your own taste. I had a very generous, probably two shots in there, but you know, to each their own. Then you need about 15 mils of simple syrup. We're talking a tablespoon really, or half an ounce in American. And then your lime juice. I squeezed fresh and used a whole lime, but measurement wise, this should be a fluid ounce or two tablespoons. Shake it well, it's time for your 20 second wanking arm workout, then strain it into a cocktail glass. I used a coupe. If you prefer something a little more, you can totally add strawberries to this too. Add those straws and it'll go a little bit pinky, pinky red, and you could call it a blood singer. But you know, overall, I really dig just the simplicity of this classic daiquiri and it goes really, really well with all of my seven seas shenanigans. So please do enjoy the hello love and drink up me hearties. In summary, if you are a fan of romanticy pirates, then this is going to be a must read for you. The Everking gives us Pirates of the Caribbean vibes with its strange magic and curses, while Eric Bloodsinger gives us an even greyer version of Once Upon a Time's Hook, with like three times the personal issues and even less restraint. The next book, The Everqueen, is expected on the 17th of January of next year, and I am honestly counting down the days. And that's all we have. For this week. Next week I am hoping to do a more in-depth introspective into A Court of Mist and Fury. I'm still going through my Akatar reread and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Also coming up we do have a few other exciting things. I've had a lot of recommendations from you guys and I've had a lot of really interesting reads as a result over the last few weeks so I'm excited to get into those. And if you have any further recommendations for me or particularly anything that's kind of holiday themed I would love to hear from you. All of my socials and my points of contact can be found in the episode description and I'm always happy to hear uh, from anybody if you have questions or recommendations or anything along those lines just hit me up. So until then my friends if you plan on sailing the seven seas be careful make sure you gird your loins from those pesky pirate captains unless that's your thing in which case don't gird anything stay smutty and lay gama read well <laughs>